When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Big thanks to you for making it this far checking out the series. Always appreciate especially to those who subscribe. Uh, as we do put out a lot of interviews, a brand new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So if you want to keep up with your favorite artists, if you want to discover some new ones, if you just want to know what's happening in the music world, stay up to date with that. Make sure you're subscribed. That's iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you'd like to get podcasts from. Just type in Kyle Meredith with. We'll send three a week to you, a brand new interview every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm Kyle Meredith, and today my guest, I'm going to be talking with Washed Out. Mr. Ernest Green is back with a brand new record called Purple Noon. It is a pretty perfect record from the Washed Out camp. He and I are going to get into what he says is a return to traditional songwriting and and even a callback to his early sound, uh, especially building a world and a big visual side to the record. He definitely likes to, to paint a picture. That picture this time around, it's it's sort of like, as he says, soundtracking sunsets. He had a lot of sunsets in mind. He saw a lot of sunsets around the world, even adds a melodramatic 80s flair to it, especially on some of the ballads around here. Ernest goes on to talk about being influenced by uh, the cars, especially that song Drive, and gets into the themes of the record. Uh, love affairs, and I don't mean like uh, cheating on your spouse or whatever, just all the parts, all the affairs of love, uh, especially, you know, kind of the arc of a relationship. He's also also written his uh, or at least recorded his first acoustic 
acoustic guitar ballad under the washed out title. That's an interesting part on this new record. That's all part of uh, as you know him keeping his classic sound while finding a way to move forward. So that's all in here as well as what's going on outside of Washed Out, what he's working on. He's been making some ambient music that he hopes to be putting out into the world very, very soon. And he just started writing for other people. In fact, Sudan Archives, he had uh, done a song on her latest record. And he says that really went to, uh, to influence a lot of what you hear on Purple Noon here. So let's jump into it. Without further ado, Kyle Meredith with Washed Out. Kyle, how's it going, man? Well, one, it's always great to hear from Washed Out, and especially on, on another fantastic record and, and Purple Noon. Man, I mean, you're hitting you're hitting all the things I love about the work you do on this record. <laughs> and um, I, I don't know if it's if it's worth kind of talking about where you came from before this one, too, because when I went back and was just kind of perusing around some of the things you were talking about with the previous record, Mr. Mellow, you know, a lot of the mm-hmm. times you had used the words handmade and raw when talking about that. This one seems like there's a bit more of classic washed out sound to it. And there are obviously some some new sounds that have been thrown in there. But I thought we'd start out with just I hope you don't mind the broad question of where you are musically with this one. Sure. I think the biggest difference um, with this one was that it was a little bit more of a return to kind of traditional songwriting. Uh, focusing first on actually writing the chords, the melodies, the lyrics, instead of it being this huge kind of sonic experiment, which is the way I think of uh, Mr. Mello. Um, That record was made almost entirely with samples, and it's sort of like this collage process where you're kind of slowly building this texture-based thing first, and then at the very end, you kind of like build it into a song. Uh, so with, with Purple Noon, it was kind of the opposite. I started mainly on the piano, kind of writing the, the, the song, and then would figure out some of the production later on in the process, which meant that, you know, I feel like the lyrics and the the melodies are just a little bit more concise and kind of in your face. And, but yeah, in general, I, I kind of tend to flip flop a little bit. You know, I get tired of doing uh, a process one way and want to kind of switch it up. So, so that's, uh, I think a big reason why Purple Noon ended up the way that it did. And that's kind of common too. I mean, a lot of artists will say that each new record is, is in a way, at least sometimes a reaction of the previous record and Mr. Mello for being such a hands-on, it almost seems like it would make sense that this one is a bit of a, a breather in, in that sense in in the songwriting sure. sense. And it's also, I mean, you know, you, you put out a record and then you tour for a year or two. And by the time you're finished and kind of, at least for me, when, by the time I'm starting to write again, you know, two or three years have passed and I'm kind of in a completely different place and, probably influenced by different things by that point. So it's only natural that things like continue to evolve. The only hope is that, you know, my listeners are along for the ride because, <laughs> you know, the, I feel like they kind of never know what to expect. But so far, the reception for the first single, Too Late, has been pretty strong. And um, yeah, excited about everyone hearing the rest of the record. And, and that's that's a beautiful song, too, Too Late. And of course, as it's been told now on the internet, the way the video kind of came around has been its own story in itself. But this starts, and I'll let you tell it, but this starts with you, I don't know, actually being inspired by a, a very specific sunset in Italy, correct? Um, yes, it was actually the trip I, I took. Uh, my wife and I spent some time in Greece, a few different places, bouncing around, uh, but neither of us had never spent 
any real time on the Mediterranean. We're just blown away by how beautiful it was. Just some epic kind of coastal sunsets. And we had plans to shoot a video in Italy that was sort of inspired by um, some of the things that we experienced. And uh, it just happened to fall right in line with you know, the terrible tragedy of uh, COVID-19. And, you know, it, it felt even extra real just how severe it ended up being in Italy. I mean, it was about a week or two prior to things getting really starting to take off there was when I was going to be flying over. And it was sort of a day by day kind of flip flop between whether or not we were going to go through with it. You know, at that point, it still felt like you know, this thing that was only happening in China. And just over the course of that following week, things just got dramatically worse. And of course, we canceled the video. And so yeah, we were left in a little bit of a um, hard place of, um, as we were discussing earlier, I'm such a big kind of visual thinker. And so many of my ideas about the record fall into this sort of world building exercise that I like to do, or I like to think of when putting the records together. So I had large ambition when it came to the visual side of this record. Um, but we ended up going the route of, you know, asking for the fans help um, submitting some of their own videos of, you know, their favorite sunsets. And we were able to kind of splice all of those submissions together into collage style video for too late. And it turned out really well. And there were submissions from all over the world, we were blown away by the response, like, you know, I think it was like three or 400 videos that we were sent. And uh, I think it turned out really well and, and actually felt like uh, there was just this real connection um, in part because of, you know, the fan participation element, but just seemed to really resonate with people, perhaps a little bit of escapism during this time of, you know, at that point was uh, very much the first stages of like everyone across the U.S. being in quarantine and I mean, really across the world. So um, just to be able to kind of just for a moment, at least kind of escape to those times where you could, you know, actually go outside and that sort of thing. So right. I, I feel like in the end, it turned out really well. So you mentioned it a couple of times now with, with the world building and what is what is the world if you can explain it for Purple Noon? What what? Should we, beyond the visuals that I, I assume that you're going to be releasing at some point, like what, what should we be seeing as we're listening to these songs? <laughs> well, it was, I mean, again, the trip uh, that I took to Greece was a very, a very important piece of the puzzle. You know, when I'm sitting down and writing, I don't know if it's like this for other musicians, but at least for me, as soon as this sort of basic form of the song starts to take shape, I'm just seeing images in, in my mind's eye about, and I'm sort of kind of scoring these moments in a weird way. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of thinking back to a lot of these really peaceful moments. I, I think sunsets are the one thing that really stuck out because I can't think of a lot of things that can kind of like freeze you in your tracks, like taking in a beautiful sunset, like the ones that we were seeing. You know, you just kind of like shut out everything else in the world and can enjoy just this natural beauty for a half hour, 45 minutes, whatever it is. And so, for instance, Too Late was very much, you know, I'm thinking about those moments and trying to like sonically, you know, conjure those types of images. Um, but yeah, it changes a little bit from song to song. You know, there's some more kind of traditional ballads. Uh, there's some, you know, more faster pace kind of poppy stuff as well. But it still has this sort of like, 80s kind of lush ballad feel slightly melodramatic at times but um 
a lot of that stuff, in a lot of ways, I felt like I was trying to reinvent some of those, like Drive by the Cars was one song oh, yeah, that was yeah. like an early influence. Like what would like kind of a modern take on that style of like lush synth pop, what, that, what would that sound like? So yeah, it's always just this exercise and trying to bring these images to life. So maybe further on on that then, you know, even when I first looked at the track list, something stood out in, in that it seems, and, and I wonder if this is planned or a coincidence if I'm putting too much into this, but it seems every song is met with a contradiction of itself. <laughs> and, and I say, you know, I'll use a few examples here. Time to Walk Away is met with Paralyze. Leave You Behind is met with Don't Go. Hide is met with Hunt. <laughs> Well, the rough theme kind of running running through the record is just um, about love affairs and um, the various places you can find yourself within a love affairs. You know, Too Late to me is very much about like meeting a love interest for the first time um, and that initial spark. And then there are songs later in the record that are about a relationship kind of falling apart and dissolving. Um, and everywhere in between there's certainly it certainly isn't a concept record where you know from song one to song 10 it's like this natural flow of a narrative or anything but Mm. I would say yeah most of the songs have love at kind of the core and and again as you mentioned earlier it's a little bit of a return to um, beginning stages of the washed out sound I felt like uh, you know some of my earlier records were very much inspired by you know, common themes like love. Um, I'd kind of gotten away a lo- from that a little bit with, with Mr. Mello, um, talking about um, other things. But um, yeah, at the core of these songs are just, you know, simple love songs in a lot of ways. Although I, I don't know how much hope, you know, there is for uh, the character within this because, you know, starting with Too Late, I mean, there's a lot of hope within that song. And it's it's just <laughs> dashed in the very next one. I mean, we're, we go from... <laughs> falling in love to wondering if it's over you know within within one song turn <laughs> exactly and by the, the very last song is is probably one of the most dramatic moments and it reaches the point of being quite depressing but yeah i mean it's all things that i've experienced in my own love life and there's perhaps a few things that have you know seeped in from friends of mine but uh yeah it's the classic um theme and and pop songs writing about love you know it's certainly not reinventing the wheel or anything but um it's it's very natural for me to write about and i feel like the more kind of melancholy longing type melodies that i tend to naturally write works really well you know with those themes Uh, i'll hit on another one of the songs with uh with game of chance is that is that spanish guitar that's that's in play right there because that's definitely one of those different sounds that kind of pops it kind of <laughs> sneaks in yes it is um and that is definitely the very first acoustic guitar ballad um, in the washed out universe uh, it was one of those things you know it, it happened later on in the process of putting the record together and i tend to you know like too late was one of the first songs that i wrote and I tend to keep recreating that same type of song naturally. And so it takes a lot of effort to come up with something sonically unique. And I was a bit afraid of being exposed in the way that Game of Chance is set up with most of the song is just um, this bare acoustic guitar and my vocal. And I'm not the strongest singer in the world. And thank God for modern studio trickery where I can make myself, you know, sound much better than I actually probably sounded in the room. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it, it, you know, if you would have asked me a couple of years ago if I would ever do a song like that, um, I would have probably said definitely not. But it, it just worked for with within this this new sonic universe. And it's actually one of my favorite songs on the record. 
Um, I feel like the backing vocals are something I haven't really done. It's just this really lush kind of, it's probably about 10 or, fi- or 12 of me kind of singing these background vocals all stacked up behind the main vocal. But um, I think it turned out really beautiful. It definitely, definitely did. Not thinking you would ever write a song like this. Watched Out, I think anyone who's heard you can instantly start talking about what your sound is. I mean, we, we all know what Washed Out sounds like. You've you've created this thing, you know, that, that's been mm-hmm. a part of it. Do you find do you ever find that you have to uh, answer to that? You have to live up to uh, to some listener expectations in, in some way? Like, do you get to the point where you write certain songs and you go, uh, it's definitely not a Washed Out song. You know, that, that's not going to work in this universe. Sure. Yeah, that's um, always in the back of my mind. And that's the ultimate problem to solve, I feel like is how to hold on to whatever that sensibility that people think of with washed out but also kind of continue to move forward and evolve naturally and um yeah i feel like i feel fairly successful with this record i think like you said there are certain elements to past work i've done um but it's also you know trying a a few new things Uh, i think the the vocal is probably the one thing that probably ties everything together i have my own unique approach that has a lot to do with me being like not a very you know traditionally good singer <laughs> but uh yeah i've i've learned to kind of like um to use that in, a, in an appropriate way i think and um yeah hopefully i continue can continue to kind of crack the puzzle of continue to evolve and that sort of thing so what do you do with the other stuff then i mean you, you did say something a little bit enticing in a, in a recent post about having lots of new music in various states and other projects possibly mm-hmm. in the work i mean is is that is that stuff that's that's kind of been put to the side? Sure. I mean, I'm always writing, for instance, like when I um, was traveling, when we were touring for Mr. Mello, I was just making tons and tons of ambient music, just, you know, as we were traveling on buses and planes and that sort of thing. And um, it certainly has like elements of the washed out sound just because I did it, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't think... I don't know if the average fan would be interested in it, but and I think some of that stuff might serve us at some point. But I've also just started to dip my toe into the world of kind of writing and producing for some other people, which has been it was a little scary at first because, you know, I'm I, I've always worked by myself and my little cocoon in my own studio. And it's it's it was a bit scary kind of being in a room with someone else and trying to make that magic happen. But um but yeah, there's. I did a song with this artist named Sudan Archives mm-hmm. um, for her last record, and then there's been some other things that you know are still either we're in the middle of it or it hasn't come out yet. But um, that's been something I've been kind of doing in between a lot of this this work with uh, Purple Noon. But yeah, it's kind of this whole new world to explore, and it frees me up to kind of focus on you know production predominantly, which you know is comes really easy to me and it's been fun to explore i i would think that other than the awkward moments of trying to write for someone else especially if you're writing with them but but if you were just you know writing for someone else like i i would expect that that gives you some opportunities to to do things that you wouldn't do to be a, to be a character that you might not gravitate sure. toward naturally well that's actually the the collaboration with sudan archives actually had a lot to do with how purple noon ended up sounding um you know a lot of her music is influenced by r&b and hip-hop and is a little bit more in the sort of modern pop style with you know like big 808s and 
you know, the kind of trap sounding hi-hats. At least she was kind of exploring some of that. And it was kind of these this new sonic palette for me to play with. And I ended up really enjoying enjoying the process and started to sort of bring some of those sounds into to my writing. And I think this record is by far the most kind of like open, bright, modern sounding record that I've done. And it has a lot to do with, with working with her. I mean, don't expect to hear any kind of trap beats or anything. <laughs> but they're, they're small little moments that I've kind of stolen from those collaborations that I think have turned out really interesting. Now, see, all you just did right there was to set up you actually doing a trap song in another five years from now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm open to it for sure. <laughs> That's, that's what it is. Uh, I, I do love the way this turned out. I mean, Purple Noon has instantly become one of my favorite records that you've done. It is a mood. You always do set a mood, and maybe this is just a perfect mood for this moment. And, of course, you know, we're in the summer here and all that, and it is. it is. It's it's a windows-down sort of a thing uh, for me. Um, dude, you always knock it out, though, every single time. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Ernest, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I don't get to do this enough, but uh, I, I'm always happy when I do. And, again, congratulations on this, man. I, I love hearing what you're doing. Thanks a lot, man. All right. Great talking to you. We'll see you around at some point. Awesome. Thanks, dude. And my thanks to Ernest Green. The brand new Washed Out record is called Purple Noon. Now, not near the first time I've talked with uh, with Ernest. In fact, I want to include a pair of interviews that uh, Ernest and I did right at the beginning of his career. The first one that I'll add here goes back to 2012. This was uh, after Within and Without had come out, and he was uh, setting up Paracosm, which would which would be out about a year after this. It was backstage at the Forecastle Festival here in, uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. So check this one out, part two, Kyle Meredith with Washed Out. I'm sitting here with Ernest Green from Washed Out. How you doing, sir? Doing very well. Glad yeah. to be here. Welcome to the uh, the great outdoors. Yeah, we were expecting some rough weather there for a second, but it's really nice right now. So. Yeah, you guys arrived afterwards. It was kind of a, uh, a nice monsoon earlier here. Yeah, so it's now great. it's just thick with humidity. Yeah, yeah. Perfect no live music playing weather. We just drove up from Atlanta, so it's even more humid down there. <laughs> oh, that's so. true. No true. problem there. Uh, been a fun couple years for you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a pretty busy couple of years, yeah. um, especially this past year. We put out a record around this time last year and have been all over the place touring with it. Yep. Um, yep. So we've actually kind of um, been winding down. We haven't had a show in the last month, I think. So, oh, so this is pretty much just like one-off. This is just a one-off, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have our fingers crossed that we're going to remember how to play everything. And, and when it does um, do that, do you find yourself become rusty even just a few weeks off the road? You'd be surprised. Really? Um, like starting all over again? It really, like we rehearsed yesterday, uh, whenever the set a couple of times, and that first r- run through was really bad. Just kind of <laughs> forgetting notes and stuff like yeah, that, yeah. but um, it comes back just as fast. The muscle you know, memory. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's so. Well, when you came out a couple of years ago, you, you know, you were lumped into this movement, I guess, and it was a movement, you know, this chill weight movement and everything. Yep. Um, does it seem like now it's really this saturated club that, you know, everybody can be that kind of bedroom artist? Or do you actually look at it as a kind of exclusive club? Like, wow, I am a part of this. Um, I don't know. That's tough to answer, I think. Um, there's definitely been a lot of music um, that's come out since I put up my first couple of records that seems like there's an influence there. And um I guess one big thing is that it's so easy now to make quality music with just the simple, simplest of equipment. Right. So I think there's only going to be more and more kind of bedroom producers putting out records and getting recognition for, for it. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't think there's any exclusive club or anything. Yeah. 
You guys are not sitting around playing poker on the weekends? And... No, not so much. <laughs> Although now I see a ne- the next reality show, <laughs> Chill Wave After Dark. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. You, you did say you can uh, you, you can make it in your bedroom. You can also play it anywhere. You're playing in a taxi on some uh, another blog's uh, thing, right? Yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> that was shot um, almost two years ago. It was yeah. like I just gotten the iPad. It was like the first version. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd had it for like a week, and it was really inspiring because you know there's all these really great apps right, right, right. Um, that are really easy to use and make music on. And um, so yeah, I just did a version of a washed out song and. Yeah. Um, that's really the only way I can do like a because it's electronic by nature so it's hard it's, it doesn't really work pulling out acoustic guitar sure, sure. and doing that sort of thing you so can't be that artist that's as close as I can get to like an unplugged yeah, never like, on MTV unplugged. down yeah yeah <laughs> it would be a, pretty weird I think so uh, no Bon Jovi covers for you no no thanks <laughs> No, so, um, so with, with all these bedroom artists and everything like this, I mean, so do you hold your ground on, on the future of what you're doing? Uh, or, or do you see yourself kind of expanding into live instrumentation or, or whatever more? We actually, like today's set, we have a full band. Yeah. It's um, drums and bass, and I play a couple of different synthesizers, and there's another keyboard player as well. Um, so, yeah, it's the live show has definitely changed things. Um, I think a lot more about, as I'm writing, I think a lot more about the performance side of it. And, you know, if you're using a bunch of samples and a lot of just really minute details on the computer, it's hard to recreate that. So I've found that the music has started to be a little bit more stripped down and playable. Yeah. So... Have you thought about hiring the Roots because they can do anything? Yeah, they are pretty versatile. <laughs> that would be, that would be pretty you amazing. Do that right I think. there, yeah. any of those any of those backing bands. Yeah. Uh, were you really prepared for this this whole thing? Were you prepared for touring life and, and everything else? Because... Not at all. Um, yeah, I, I I didn't plan it out very well. I got married like right around the time I started playing shows. Yeah. So, um, luckily, my wife's a musician, so she's actually joined the band, and oh, we're able to travel together, but. We struggled with that a little bit at first. Yeah. Um, and then I never played in bands before, never really performed. Yeah. Like I was really comfortable like working in studios and stuff. But I mean, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle definitely, change if you're not used to it. Definitely. So. Um, believe it or not, I was working, like my part-time job was uh, working as a librarian. So you can imagine like the, <laughs> the culture shock right, right, right. between those two different worlds. So, yeah, but we've, I mean, it's been a couple years now and like we've, learn to embrace it yeah well the last thing uh and you know i guess the biggest release that's going to come out now that i've just not stopped hearing about is this fleetwood mac tribute record which yeah. everybody is on and you're on and, yeah. and everything yeah it's um it was exciting for me because it's one of the first songs that i worked on after not working on music for a long time being on tour yeah so like i had a couple weeks off um in the spring and uh worked on the song and um, actually got delayed a little bit and I recorded the vocals for that track in a bedroom in like Portland or something with just this really crappy mic that I was traveling with um, but yeah it's amazing I mean, group to see of, people like come together like Fleetwood Mac nothing against them but I yeah, think yeah. it's one no one I would have had on my radar for so many bands to come yeah I mean I was you know I'm a big fan of a lot of the bands on the uh, on the disc so um, and I'm a big fan of Fleetwood Mac yeah. and um, Which song do you do? It's called Straight Back. Uh-huh. It's off Mirage. Okay. And um, not one I of the th- obvious ones. 
No, it's not. They, they, they really wanted to cover like the full history okay. of the band. So like, you know, they were they they basically were like, you, you can have Mirage. Like, yeah. you pick whatever song you like. And I think I made it sound more like Fleetwood Mac than the actual recorded version sounds like. <laughs> we have like a bunch of acoustic guitars and yeah. like I have a friend play slide guitar on it. It's this really epic solo. Right. So while you will never have that Bon Jovi moment, you can at least have your flute. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> that's good, and yeah. that's good news. Yeah, Ernest, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, uh, we will see you around. Yeah, for sure. Right. Take care. That's 2012 interview with Ernest Green washed out. And now, as I promised, uh, part three. In fact, this goes back. This is our very first interview together. I believe this was 2011, uh, right after he had released Within and Without, or maybe right around the time he was about to release it. Uh, so I'm going to include that. Uh, this is a very early talk here. We get to talk about, you know, it was the birth of Chill Wave. That's what it was. So let's get into it. Part three, Kyle Meredith with Washed Out. Between the EPs that you'd put out beforehand and what we've heard so far from this uh, this new LP, you seem to have made a big jump sonically uh, as well as technically. Was there anything you could attribute that to? I guess more than anything, um, I, I really took a year off of writing anything new and really learned a lot over that time just from playing shows and uh, working and collaborating with other musicians. And so I was coming into this new record um, with a lot more know-how. And so, uh, and I also, uh, a lot of the early songs I was writing for this new record uh, just seemed to be much bigger. Um, and so I really wanted to follow through with that. And um, kind of the, the tail end of the recording process, I realized that my uh, production skills weren't quite up to the task. And so that's when I reached out to Ben Allen, the producer that, that helped me finish everything up. And his role um, was mainly one of um, just kind of guiding me and, and making things as dynamic as possible in the mixing process. And yeah, it was a really great experience. I, I learned a ton from him. Yeah. So was uh, most of this then still put together, uh, at least in the early parts, at, at your place? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I basically uh, wrote and recorded, I would say, probably 90% of uh, what you hear um, in my bedroom, or actually it was a little converted bedroom. It's, it's uh, a modest little studio. Um, and then we tracked some drums and uh, vocal parts and uh, Ben's studio in Atlanta. So you're kind of part of this, uh, well, I don't know if I call it a generation, but this this new deal anyway that's still in its infancy, the, these bedroom artists, uh, and you've even been given uh, the whole chill wave stamp. Yeah. Is that something that uh, that you really do identify with? As far as being a bedroom producer, I, I definitely, uh, I mean, that's what I came out of. I've been making music kind of alone in my bedroom for years now. Um, never really grew up playing in bands or anything like that. Um, but as far as the chill wave thing, it wasn't anything that I intended on creating. It was sort of a natural progression of some of the things I was listening to and some of the sort of new and different uh, production techniques that I was just playing around with. And really, because I was, I was self-taught, a lot of the things I was doing was, might for someone that has the training, it's very non-traditional, but for me it made complete sense. Um, so I guess I really stumbled upon some of this, um, you know, new genre tags. <laughs> yeah. What got you interested in, uh, in production? Um, well, I, I grew up playing piano and always really loved music, and, uh, but it wasn't until I got, like, a, my first PC and uh, got some recording software that, 
you know, I really just learned to love it, and it was it became sort of an obsession. Um, and I guess more than anything, what I love about it is uh, just being able to kind of start from scratch and build a song and using multi-tracking to sort of do everything myself. And I don't necessarily play very well with others, so it's it's nice to have the final say over these mixes and these songs. Yeah. When you're doing it out live, uh, is it still just you, or are you playing with a band at this point? Yeah, I'm playing with a band. Um, we've been playing together now for a couple months, and uh, it's certainly a lot more fun at that stage to have some uh, interaction happening between the other musicians and I, and uh, I think the audience really responds from it as well. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 it can be challenging at times because uh, the 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 material on record has numerous uh, different multi-tracked parts, and so it can get kind of challenging figuring out you know how to play all the stuff. But um, I guess that's part of the fun as well, um, just kind of coming up with these condensed versions. Songs. You also had some uh, something interesting happen lately with uh, with Portlandia. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, pretty amazing. Um, getting an email directly from Fred Armisen was uh, definitely a highlight. Um, I had heard um, I was my the label that put out my first album, um, based in New York, and um, had some connection to him, and I'd heard that he was a fan, but. Um, yeah, I was I was really surprised that he reached out and they were inter- interested in using the song. And of course, I'm a fan of his comedy and of the show. So yeah, it was it was great. Well, the track we're going to be playing this week, uh, of course, is the single that's been out there on the web. Eyes be closed. Um, anything you can tell us about that? Um, it was one of the first songs that I uh, started on um, with the record, and but it was one of the last ones finished. Um, so it was kind of a challenge. I knew that it was it was there was something there, but uh, the little bridge part towards the end of the song that builds into the chorus, um, I came up with it very late in the process. So which kind of brought everything together. So yeah, it's one of my favorites from the record. Well, thanks a ton for talking with us, and uh, and good luck this year. It sounds like there's a lot of good things lining up for you. So yeah, it's really exciting. Thanks a lot. It's a pleasure. And, and hopefully, we'll see you around soon. All right. All right. Bye bye. And again, washed out that one back from a 2011 interview. Thanks once again to Mr. Ernest Green. Thanks to you as well for checking out the series. Again, you made it this far. You might as well subscribe if you're not already. Uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you prefer to get podcasts, just uh, type in Kyle Meredith with. Subscribe. We'll bring a new one to you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday so you can keep up with your favorite artists, discover some new ones, know what's happening right here in the music world. After that, head to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres and music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. That's WFPK.org, 6 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. Consequence of Sound, they've got your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media hotspots at Kyle Meredith. Hope you follow and like along there as well. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time.
Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, I'm Jen, and I love horror movies. I'm Mikey. I'm dead inside, and I also love horror movies. And we really like to torture our friend Todd because he hates horror movies. That I do. And that's why they call me the horror virgin. <laughs> that's the only reason we call him that. Yes. I'm not, no other reasons at all. <laughs> you Whatever. So every, <laughs> every week, we take him through the encyclopedia of horror, the good, the bad, the ridiculously Jack Frosts. <laughs> and then we make fun of it, more or less. Or explain its deceptive feminism. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. That's my thing. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm the funny one. (laughs) Our episodes drop on Monday, so check us out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.